Welcome to Beers, Business, and Balls, presented by House Enterprise, brought to you by Manscaped. 20% off your order at manscaped.com if you use the code HOUSE and free international shipping. Uh, we are into February, and that means the Beer Fest is over. That'll be how we open this episode. Um, first of all, just to take right off the bat, what a great night for a beer festival. Like, it was not cold. It was probably 50 degrees the whole night was bouncing around a little bit outside getting some air i will say i think i'm about to make the claim that out of the three beer fests we went to here in rhode island this was the most pleasant as far as weather goes yeah i mean flawless weather for end of january i mean that's this whole winter as a whole but i mean rhode island brew fest crew does it again we caught up with matt at the festival you know busy as ever they had a lot of good venues a lot of good um breweries across the east coast a couple missing from the rhode island scene which i was surprised about but um we just obviously found out beer on earth is closing their doors which is uh sad sad and we're sorry to hear that from uh adam and the crew over there because they had some great stuff but um all in all great festival great beer great people i give it a good uh, a good rating 4.5 yeah, out of 5 for me yeah, I, I like it. I'm probably right with you. Four, four or five is a good rating. Um, yeah, and again, a, a shout out to Adam Henderson over at Beer on Earth. Um, you know, one of our first live beer episodes. Um, so wish them nothing but the best. They had some great beer. Um, and hopefully we'll get the chance to stop by uh, one last time before they shut their doors. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's you never want to see uh, anybody in the industry shut down uh, or be forced to, right? So Hopefully they're back on their feet and doing something cool in no time. Um, yeah, a few big names that were not on the list. Long Live Beer Works, one of our favorites. Uh, Crooked Current, actually, two uh, both are breweries that we've had in some way, shape, or form on the and, show. And Newport. And Newport Craft, also. No yeah, tilted, I didn't even... no, no Tilted Barn. True. Yeah. What the hell happened? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like... I, I assume Long Live's definitely probably busy with the new Roxbury location opening up and they just had their anniversary. So, you know, might not have been a uh, a prime time for the beer festival and same with Newport Craft with their expansion and stuff. It might be, you know, all hands on deck over there and nothing necessarily ready. But I mean, it was nice seeing breweries like Single Cut. I thought Single Cut was a nice addition this year. Um what else from Vermont? There was a few Vermont ones that stuck out for me. I was going to say, this might be the first year that I looked around. And yes, there was that stretch of Rhode Island breweries in the middle. There were, this felt like a year that there were a lot of out-of-state breweries there. Mm -hmm. Lone Pine. Yeah, Lone, Lone Pine, Pine was there. Um, I was not able to drink OJ, which I have a, I have a bone to pink with them, but... A lot of cider and seltzer places, which I think balances out the triple IPAs and stouts that are, are that are present there. Ebb's Brewing Company, I was actually pretty impressed with their stuff. They're a, a New York-based brewery. Yeah, Ebb's was uh, Ebb's was pretty good. All so I guess if we want to rank a beer, it doesn't necessarily have to be the best. If you want to shout something out that you had from Saturday night that you haven't had before and want to give some attention to let's do that 
So there was one that stuck out to mind that I wrote down, and it was from Canned Heat Craft Brewery Com- Craft Beer Company. Um, they're in Fall River, so we'll definitely have to swing over to them because they're local. And it was Where's the Freaking Clicka? Uh, New England Hazy IPA, 6.6%. Bright golden color, solid haze with tropical fruit forward um, flavors representing pineapple, mango, and a touch of stone fruit. I thought this was one of the better, if not the best IPA that I had at the whole festival. So that one stood out to me. And then um, there was another one that I really, really liked. Just going through my untapped. Um, Bad radio, but <laughs> we'll, cut it in post. we'll cut it in post. If not. I guess actually from wow, um, I'll distract everyone for a second. Providence just tied at 76, 30 seconds. It's tied. There we go. There we go. I also, I did like a laser cat from Medusa brewing company and that was a double IPA. And that's, yeah, that was a pretty good one. So a lot of IPA heavy forwards, and then I'll shout out one local, which I am actually, you know, someone who, Morgan Snyder from Buttonwoods, who they had some great beers, but they've been talking about uh, Origin Beer Project for a while. Their neighbors that they, you know, share the production floor with and they do stuff. Uh, there was a dark ale. Oh my goodness, from them. And uh, a black Cascadian dark ale is what they're calling it. I gave that a four out of five. Yeah, Buttonwoods has been coming out with some crazy shit lately. And I think, um, Oh, what's the one in my fridge that I've yet to drink? It's a it's a good one. It's like a it's an imperial brown. I'm pretty sure. So they're getting very experimental. Obviously, Origin Beer Project lives out of there. They brew out of there. That's the first time I think I've seen their specific like marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, I I don't think I've seen them physically at a beer festival, unless it was with Buttonwoods, basically. Yeah, and. If I'm not mistaken, I remember last year I made the mistake when creating the graphics for the beer, the brewery, the brewery bracket that I did not include origin. And, you know, Morgan texted me, was just like, oh, yeah, by the way, they're still around. I was like, oh, shoot, I'll add them Um, because they were not part of the Rhode Island Brewers Guild, which I was basically, which I was basing my my initial list on. So yeah, didn't he say something like they were, they had started experimental. I don't know. We're going to have to re-listen to Morgan's episode that he came on way back. Way back. Uh, it was good to see Morgan. His, uh, his beard is more burly than ever. Big time. Um, oh, big time. Uh, Providence Xavier going to overtime. Casey cared. Uh, 76. Um, we're going to look back at this and be like either, wow, this is a point that they won this game or like Xavier just is about to score 10 points in a row. You'll find out while you're listening on the pod tomorrow. So um, the first one, the prior. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I am going to shout out. I thought this was refreshing. You gave this a four. I'll probably in the moment. This had some really, really good potential. I think for me, this is also going to end up coming down to a four, but uh, Timber Hitch from Four River Brewing. Um, I have never, I don't think I've had four river. This is a South Portland beer. So off the main strip in Portland, Maine, 
Timber Hitch is one of their most popular beers. They've only got 40 on untapped, uh, 372 global average, but I, I'm thinking this is a four. This was very good. It was a subtle brown ale, but it had a lot of flavor. And I think that was at the point for me that I had just like, I, as a side note, I did it wrong. I started drinking dark beer too early. So I was sort of on that kick for a good stretch of the middle. Like, all right, I'll uh, rotate some dark beers with some lighter beers. And I think that was stupid. That was stupid of me. I'd like to acknowledge my mistake. This one was really good though. Uh, when I went down the dark beer rabbit hole, um, this was mild enough to have a few times. Uh, and they also serve this at Chomp, fun fact, in Providence. So four for me. Um, I want to give a shout out to Hotbox the Gondola as well. Um, and it's escaping me. It was Widowmaker. Widowmaker has uh, a couple of great selections or over in Braintree, of course. It was a an Imperial Milk Stout with, it says, copious amounts of Guatemalan cacao nibs. Um, this was really good. It was a lighter, at least it tasted lighter. Oh, no, it was 8.5%. So packed a little bit of a punch. Easy to drink, though. Um, this probably gets a four for me, too. So I think the two that stood out for me were both dark beers. Would I do it differently? given the option, yes, I probably would have. I probably would have reached for more IPAs first, done another lap, and circled back. But 820 came around, and the cops started cutting people off. So that's what it was. Yeah, I think, I'm again, like, I'm not sure how, if it, I don't think it was, it wasn't alphabetical order, right? No, I think there was. There Rhode, was Island, Rhode Island was definitely in the middle. Yeah. Rhode because Island's... it doesn't make sense if it was alphabetical. They had Widowmaker in like one corner and then in the opposite corner with no tables, like back where they had the food and the bathrooms and stuff, they had like Lone Pine and um, and a couple other breweries that were not, like Canned Heat was over there too. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's hard if, you know, breweries are offering different types of beers because there was definitely a few that had an IPA, a stout, light, dark, whatever the case might be. But it would have been nice if it went from light to dark. But that's yeah. hard to think of. Yeah, but then the only thing is like, are you going to tell a brewery to say, hey, we're going to line you up and you can only serve light beers, basically? No, or no. But it's like, if it, you know, there was a lot of stout focused ones where it's like, they shouldn't have been in the middle because I definitely passed over. I passed over a few because I wasn't ready. And by the time I came back, I was like, oops, I forgot. But I think even still last year with like the Northwoods coffee porter, I'm amazed we weren't just like reaching for dark beers after that. You just want to try everything. You just want to try everything. And, you know, I'm, I'm always impressed with this stuff. And I, there was definitely like a lot of things. Like I like when the breweries come with experimental stuff or stuff that's like fairly new, like that's a good market to test things and be like, I liked that a lot. I want to come see your place. Right. Yeah, I, I I agree because that's how Four River came to mind for me. That's how Widowmaker came. Widowmaker's in Braintree. It's really not that far. Um, 
Trying to think of anything else worth shouting out. Laser Kitten I had rated pretty high. Uh, the Ebbs Kolsch was the first beer that I had, and it was pretty good. Good way to kick things off. Give it a 375. Uh, I like Ebbs beer. I, don't, I haven't had too much of it, admittedly, but they have some really good stuff. Um, let's see what else I've had from them. It doesn't look like anything. They look familiar, though. They look familiar. I don't know. They if it's like number this. their beers. They, they, they don't number it, and it's just a a white label with black font. Um, so <laughs> it's like impossible to identify them anywhere. I like the um. I liked the stuff that Efren had over at Providence. He did the uh, uh a couple pastry stouts. It was a raspberry fritter dirty Sunday and a blood orange and white chocolate dirty Sunday. And I really, I really enjoyed those two. I had those at the later end. So I wish I started like those were beers that I had right off the bat. I had something else from Providence. What else did they have? It was, uh, oh damn. I thought it was one other beer they might've had. Cause neither of those sound familiar, but that was like when I was turning the corner, said hi to Mark Stone. And then they started shutting the tabs down. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot to accomplish in three and a half hours three hours yeah the line so i will say also it was packed um the line to get in there was pretty packed too it went quick but i feel like we lost we lost about 15 minutes and then they started cutting people off at 8 20 so you really i say this like it's a bad thing you only have two and a half hours of straight drinking yeah Um, I guess, I mean, we've done it both ways now, and I think I still prefer the first session over the second. I mean, your day's kind of shot after that because it's like four o'clock and you're, you know, copious amounts of beers in and it's kind of still light out and you, you're not really in the mood to do anything further because you had triple IPAs and stouts and seltzers and nothing's really clicking. Right, that's thing. the thing. You're gonna you're gonna have to eat dinner after that, like yeah. at five or six, like after you just drank thirty pounds of beer. But I think, but the reason I like it more, it's like they have everything. People are kind of giddy. Stuff's moving already. Like we we pre-gamed with some craft beer beforehand, so we that were was, already like right, that was stupid too. We that already was wet, yeah, we already wet the palate a little bit. So it's like your your body's going in a ton of different directions. However, in the morning, it's like all right, you're not really pre-gaming a one a one o'clock start one o'clock start time um i don't know i just hope that i love how it's so close to us i love the water fire venue i love what they've done with it i hope they keep it there and keep building it and making it better um and not outgrow that space i agree um i think also shout out duncan the duncan sponsorship that was a great touch that was 10 out of 10 i'm i'm upset that they lost the dunkin donut center but if that means they had the money to spend at the rhode island <laughs> brew fest i'll take it they were giving out gift cards sweatbands gloves free coffee donuts with the logo on top of it that's if i could change one thing besides logistically duncan was handing out donuts at the beginning of the beer festival should have been at the end should have been on the way out. Should have been at the like end. You're drunk. You just had at least 50 beers. Tasters, drink responsibly. Um, 
that's a perfect time to hand a drunk person a donut and say, here you go, people. Yeah. Instead I, of having like, because we all walked in, we're like, all right, what do we do with these donuts? Like, we're going to eat them and then go drown ourselves in beer? No, I had, a, I had a bite and tossed it because I was like, I'm saving room for the beer. But it was a cool touch. I mean, the logo, they were, you know, fresh. Well, excellent. The yeah. fact that they're walking around like just saying, hey, you want a $5 Dunkin' gift card? It's like, uh, uh, yeah. I, 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 had, I had five somehow. They were tossing them out. <laughs> they were tossing them out. This was the most generous of the beer festivals because we had one walk away with four gift cards and one walk away with four glasses. Shout out Club for Jim and Nick. I can't. I got to get rid of glasses now because I have six Rhode Island beer festival. I have from like all, all the ones we've been to. Oh, yeah. See, mine. I had two that broke, which really sucks. Well, I'll pass them along to you because <laughs> I have no more cabinet space anymore. And people keep leaving them. Now. Every time we've had people over for the festival, they take 10 and then leave five. Yeah, I don't need them. That's, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, if I was Duncan, what I would do next time. Coffee in the beginning. That was awesome. Man. You know, you walk in there, like, great. Um, maybe I'm losing a little steam, whatever quick chug of coffee it wasn't a whole big cup it was like a three ounce taster a little iced coffee excellent i wouldn't have changed that at all i would have put the donuts at the end and then you have that is the winning recipe right there that and like they were handing out like ice scrapers which are awesome that's a nice little that's a nice little swag item but you're carrying around an ice scraper for three hours just too carrying around an ice scraper and donuts yes do you i think Right, like start handing shit out at eight, you know? They need, I think, also better food options. I agree, because well, I didn't even see what they had, but I'm assuming it was just like the regular like hot dogs, maybe a cheeseburger or a sandwich or something. Yeah, if they had a couple like food trucks parked in the back or, you know, a couple tables of food besides like hamburgers, hot dogs. Not to say I was hungry, I would just like, I don't know. I wasn't really, nothing really was striking my fancy even if I was hungry. Yeah, uh, a big missed opportunity as well. We always said they should sell pretzel necklaces inside the festival. And lo and behold, we go on this whole big thing about, oh, they don't sell pretzel necklaces there. You have to make them before. We make them before, and there's a fucking pretzel necklace then. First time. First time. First time. I didn't even see what their quality was. I'm assuming ours were better. Because oh, we 100%. had a sourdough option. Shout out, Paige, putting that together. Um, sourdough, the regular size pretzels. My only gripe is like, I, I don't know if I was doing this wrong, but I was breaking the pretzels every time I tried to get them off. The it's definitely of not like a easy system. And I could like most of the time, like, I mean, Connor had it like intertwined and it looked pretty, but I mean, yeah, I, I don't think he ate one. You couldn't eat it. Um, so that was a missed opportunity. And then, uh, what was I just going to say with, um, the pretzel necklaces it was i mean i think they should give out t-shirts i think that'd be a nice touch <laughs> i don't i want to buy a 30 dollar t-shirt if that i would take a t-shirt over a glass at this point i was gonna say sorry to chris hanold who thinks i stole his t-shirt you might have when i uh he texted me and said uh even though you you have my t-shirt it was great to see you and i said yeah actually you reminded me i i pulled it out and slept in it so 
but I didn't even know they had shirts to be no, honest. No. All did, all like, about, did they have shirts last year? I don't they remember. Have them. They have There was like a couple stands. A couple stands of stuff and a couple random vendors. Like, I don't, at the same time, would you rather walk away with a shirt or a glass? That's the question. Cause I probably would rather walk away with a glass. I guess so many glasses now. I guess, yeah. <laughs> Maybe if they did like, I don't know, if they changed it up, did like a taster glass next year? Because the shirt seems like a logistical nightmare. People are going to be asking, like, hey, what's your size? What's your size? Oh, do you have a 4XL? Do you have a kid's small for my oh. son? Yeah. That and I guess like, the I wish they had more plastic cups available everywhere. Um, because it, even if you rinse it out, it kind of just gets a little um mixed flavors but no oh the one thing that i like that they included that they finally did what we said was having the list of beers now a couple of the the list weren't fully updated by the time the festival started there was still a lot of tbd and again it's hard if breweries don't know what they're going to bring but having that list ahead of time i knew a couple places that i wanted to go right off the bat yes i think that was huge um and it will make reading the beers that much easier because I don't know about you, but my running note file is not English. It's I put timber hitch in as timber yard. Cause why not? Um, you're just worried about speed. You're not worried about accuracy at that point. I, it's, all I, I mean, I did was I went, I, I, in my notes, I did the name of the brewery and I just did the style and then I went on untapped to see, okay, what did people check in at water fire center? So I'm like, Oh, IPA. The way it. it's like, Oh, IPA. What was at the IPA at the, at the water fire center, this one from this brewery. Okay. And then I had the score obviously, but because there were some names that were like five to 10 words and I'm like, this ain't happening. And then I was just taking pictures. So again, if they had it, where you can just scan it right if they everyone had their untapped code right there boom 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 easy peasy that is way too easy they should have done that so so but i was surprised if brewery listens to this and takes your advice game over they did last year with the notes they they actually provided the beer list and we said hey matt provide the beer list so we're doing i think that was long overdue i think he that was probably something that he was like yeah that's we should be doing that because they if they have that data anyway i'm sure they have to or maybe they require the breweries to give it to them in advance this year i don't know a lot we're like still tbd yeah buttonwoods was tbd we didn't know what we were getting from them that's just morgan though go with the flow (laughs) yeah what's looking good today Love you, Morgan, but yes, going with the flow. That's for sure. Um, yeah, overall, I would say overall experience, this probably is it bad that is it bad that the one we were doing content at last year, I'd probably rank three out of three. Like it would be our first one at one, this past weekend two, and then uh 2022 number three. Um, I mean, we were working. That's true. And I think, right, it, it's impossible because, like, it, there's a baseline. Like, you're never going to have a bad time. Like, I yeah. don't think anything's ever going to be under, like, a four out of a five. 
Um, no, like I would say last year was different because one, we were working two, it was like the first big event for COVID. And there was like a lot of hoops to, it was a lot of hoops to jump through that, which again, shout out to them for even having the festival because, you know, there was still a pandemic and they were like, yeah, I don't know if we can do this. We canceled it the year before. So that definitely, I think hindered a lot of last year of like, you know, you weren't as crowded. It was a little slower moving because like people were like not wanting to be near each other. Um, but I thought it was a still a great festival all in all. I'd probably, I think my ranking would be they got better each year. Yeah, that that's also, that's got some merit to it. I would say like, this was like pretty sound in terms of like everything went smoothly and we had an idea of like what, to, what we were coming into. The first one was I would rank last, even though it was like our first experience, just because it's like, we weren't familiar with any of these places. We didn't know any types of beer. We were just going to drink. And then last year, right in the middle. I think that's got, that's a good take too. I respect that. Um, yeah. Let's see what 2024 brings. Again, I hope they don't outgrow that place. I really don't. Cause that's I mean, an they, awesome they, spot. They, I think they like, they sell out so quickly. So it's like, and the it's not like these breweries can like produce any more beer fast enough for what's in store. Because a lot of places were like running out at the end. They're like, we're tapped for the night. Yeah. I'm truly so <laughs> shout out to Brian Benedict and Moniker too. He goes, oh, by the time we got over there, he said, Would you like the smoke tellus or the smoke tellus? Yeah. <laughs> like, huh, I gotta think about that one. We yeah. proceeded to talk about man U Arsenal for the next 15 minutes, which wiped me out of the last two breweries. So I know it was like crunch time at the end. It was like, once they I started, saw you, I lost you. And then you're running the other way. You're like, dude, we got five minutes. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I know because it was like, there was a couple that I wanted to stop by and say hello to at least that I turned the corner and they were like shuffling people out. And then like the people we knew were like, oh yeah, yeah. like here, like Morgan gave me a couple extra beers. Brian gave me some extra beers, but then there was like other places that are like, we're not supposed to serve after 815. And it's like, come on, I paid. I'm here. What do you want to bring beer back? Just tap your keg. I know. Uh, Providence lost to Xavier with a game winning. Uh, um, would have been the game winner. They just clanked out. It was very close. Uh, what a fucking game. That was awesome. Damn. And Xavier wins. Rightfully so. They deserve it. Um, yeah overall good beer festival i thought that was that was pretty good um i'm looking forward to the next one um enough beer let's get to our guest this week vic chokshi um awesome conversation with vic head of sports betting content at fox sports digital um this this is a really interesting conversation on sort of the state of gambling and uh, sports betting in the world and how networks are embracing this sort of thing as well. So really excited to chat with him. Uh, this is a great interview. Let's bring him in. It's Vic Choksi. All right, everybody with this this week, we got the head of sports betting content at content at Fox sports digital Vic Choksi. Um, Perfect time for the Super Bowl. Obviously, you were just saying it's the busiest time of the year for you, but uh, thank you for taking the time to spend on the Beers, Business, and Balls podcast, and we're excited to hear about your background, obviously the world of sports gambling as it's getting more legalized throughout the country, and you know, we'll talk some Super Bowl, but how's everything going? Thank you, fellas, for having me. I'm excited. This is the time of the year to chat for sure, man. So 
I'm hyped. I'm anxious. I'm nervous, but it's a, it's a great time to be in the game for sure. And I'm excited for the Super Bowl. So thanks guys for having me on. Big J journalism question we always like to ask is who is Vic Joxy? <laughs> Man, I can tell you the long version that my wife calls interesting, quote unquote, or <laughs> uh, the, you know, the short version, I'll keep it somewhere in between, but have not had the traditional, you know, linear path as a lot of people in the sports space. For me, graduated with an IT degree, was in IT for about eight years, went the entrepreneurship route, did that for seven years. And then it was about seven years ago, I was having a midlife crisis. I can't lie. A little older than you guys, but you know, I, everybody reaches that point at a different time in their lives. And for me, I just had a kid, I'd wrapped up a business venture and was just trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And, you know, sports for me has been a huge, huge part of my life. I grew up in the city of Chicago here not the best area. It always kept me out of trouble. I made all my best friends through it. I'm an only kid. So, you know, literally that became my family. And, you know, I lost my mom pretty young, right out of college. And then my dad a little bit after. So sports, I can honestly say kind of saved my life. You know, it was my teammates that helped me get through everything. Sports themselves just became this amazing place for me to go to make it through some of the hardest times in my lives. And, because of that, I've always wanted to work in the space. So even when I was doing my other gigs, I started a blog. This is kind of like in the old school blogging days where it had just started and Twitter had just gotten you know around and it was a nice little tipping point there. But just wanted to get in the game however I could. Did that as a side hustle for a long time. And then when I got to my midlife crisis, it was actually my wife who kind of supported me and, and told me that I should try to work in the space. And so I didn't know anybody in the space. I was a lot older than a lot of people. I was 37 years old at the time. I had a newborn at home and I just kind of shot a cold email to like 500 people. I still have my email and I just looked up the coolest people that I thought were awesome on Twitter, the internet, LinkedIn, and just started shooting cold emails and five people wrote me back, which was pretty amazing and pretty insane at the same time. Like, 495 didn't write me back, but five really, really good people in the space wrote me back. Two of them, one being Jason McIntyre, who's now the co-host of The Herd. At the time, he owned the big lead. And the other was Chad Millman, who was at ESPN and had just gone over to the Action Network to start what now is an amazing gambling site. So, you know, took in kind of what they had to say. They were kind enough to jump on a call with me, give me advice they didn't have work for me, but they they liked my story. They liked the hustle. And and I just badgered them, man. I, I kept hitting them up on text, email. I would say like, happy birthday. I'd say like, Merry Christmas, whatever I could, to, you know, and I'd be like, I need a job. Help me out. I'll do whatever it takes. And eventually they both found me jobs, which is pretty amazing. So Jason gave me my first job at the big lead. I did that working 40 hours a week for 2K a month. And then Chad found me some freelance work at the Action Network and you know, long story short, that's kind of how I made my way in, into the sports betting space. That's a great primer. I want to start with the fact that you're a Chicago sports guy too. Uh, Bears, Bulls, Cubs, all your teams. Did you have a favorite of those growing up? Was there one guy or one team or one moment that stood out for you in the Chicago scene? Yeah, definitely, man. I'm a huge Bears, Cubs, and Bulls fan. Like those are my squads. I was seven when we won the Super Bowl. So the Bears were definitely the first team that I fell in love with, thanks to Walter Payton. He was my favorite player growing up. And 
everybody's that lived in Chicago, but that I was lucky enough to obviously grow up in the Jordan years, right? And so that was the best, man. Like you knew that you were never going to lose. It's truly amazing. I've never had that feeling again, but I will say the 89 Cubs are probably the first squad that broke my heart. Uh, We lost the Giants, Will Clark, Kevin Mitchell. uh, That was a nasty squad. A lot before your time, I'm sure. But you know, so those those are the the three squads that really I've been a fan of my entire life, and the Cubs World World Series run was pretty amazing because we're a little older. All the guys that I grew up being Cubs fans with, we're all married now. We have kids, but somehow, some way, we got away with going out to every game every night of that postseason because our wives knew how much we love the Cubs. So I was able to experience all that with my best friends and. I was in Wrigley Field, Wrigleyville when it happened too. So, you know, that's going to be a memory that lives with me forever. Unfortunately, the Bears have just broken my heart pretty much every, you know, once in every five years, they're pretty good to make matters worse. I went to school in Wisconsin. So a lot of my college friends are Packers fans. So my life has been pretty brutal on the football side, but I am hoping like all things in life, things balance out and you know, maybe the next 40 years of my life are, are going to be pretty sweet. So, so we'll see. And then, yeah, the Bulls, man, they've never gotten back to, of course, where they've been, but they'll always have a special place in my heart. And that's why I love basketball so much, of course, because, because of the Jordan years, man. And that's why, you know, all my buddies got into playing ball and that, that's, you know, what really, really grew my passion for basketball for sure. So, I mean, your childhood, you had a lot of great memories in the sports and then, Besides the Cubs World Series recently, it's been kind of eh. uh So I guess, you know, without hurting your feelings, power rankings of the worst Chicago moments for you. So I'm going to say Derek Rose getting hurt, yep. um, the Cubs breaking up the band, or sure. the double or the double doink. So you're close. Number two, I would say, is Bartman. Um, the, uh, yeah, the Bartman. yeah, that's a good um, one. So... Okay, again, I'm a lot older than you guys. So 89 Cubs definitely is up there for me, but they got smoked that series. But moments-wise, yes, Derek, that was the team, man. I really do think they would have won. LeBron hadn't won a title yet. They were the one seed. Derek was unstoppable. I do think we would have beaten them that year. So that day, him getting hurt, I cannot lie, I did cry. And I was, you know, a a grown man. But I did cry that night because I had some friends – that worked at the hospital and they called me and they literally said, I know that he's done. Oh no. <laughs> Cause you know, as a fan, you're always holding out and hope like, Oh, he'll be okay. He'll come back. It's nothing big. And and when he called me, I was by myself and I, I did shed a tear. So that was pretty bad. Bartman was brutal, especially cause one, we had never won the world series before Two, We were at a at party at my parents' house with 22 people there making plans to go to Wrigleyville that night to celebrate because we were going to make the world series. And then the double doink was brutal. Cause I do think that defense was good enough to make a super bowl run that year. Like the Eagles, I give them credit, but I do think our defense was up there. And so you nailed it, man. You, you nailed definitely some of my heartbreaks and uh, times I've put, put it in the past. Hopefully I will say that Bartman moment. Oddly familiar for me. My dad grew up in Arlington Heights, uh, okay. Mount Prospect area. And what did we find? He was cleaning out his old files or whatnot. He found tickets to Yankee Stadium, Cubs versus Yankees, 2003 World Series game one. Wow. Which 
never happened, obviously. That's amazing. Yes. <laughs> and so he, he definitely felt my pain uh, that night, probably worse. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, that's not good. Um, Man, what a brutal moment, but Hey, they got the ring. It's all good. It's all, they there's, did. there's some level of solace now we'll come back to the Cubs later, but um, now the blogging in the, the sports betting space, uh, you know, you've done a lot of cool things. As you mentioned, you've done a lot of different areas, a lot of different functions, but this is something that, you know, is sort of always stuck with you. So what was the initial attraction to creating that content and, and sort of what got you interested in sports betting? Yeah. So I can't lie. I, I've been a degen or a gambler myself probably since high school, man. And again, I'm a little older than you guys. This is pre-internet and, and all the amazing stuff we have now. I was that kid in high school making pools and, and spreading out sheets for five bucks on paper where we do like March Madness or NFL playoffs and everyone throws in five bucks. And that if people literally in high school would bring quarters and Again, this this outdates you guys, but that that's really where I got my start, and I loved it, man. And again, everyone should gamble what they can control and what's in their budgets for sure. But that's what got me hooked to it. And then in college, I used to gamble on college basketball and send money via Western Union to offshore books, and just kind of <laughs> you know. So I've experienced that side of it, loved it, was a gambler myself. And but on the industry side, I always really really felt adamant that it was going to get legalized and second that it was an amazing industry to be a part of and I always wanted to be a part of it so again when I started my blog nothing was legal in the country PASPA hadn't been overturned we're talking about a very long time ago like 07 08 09 and we're doing picks you know Greeny and Golick were doing stone cold lead pipe blocks on ESPN on the radio, which was fun. Uh, but that's when I got into it. And then Twitter, I think, really took it over the top because you had the ability to then post your picks, do podcasts, get onto people's podcasts. So I can't lie. I started as wanting to be a talent. So I wrote for free. I freelanced at six, seven, eight different websites. I, I tried to do whatever I could get my hands on. Jason McIntyre was really cool at the big lead. He was a big proponent of gambling and, you know, it's paid off for him now, but he really did feel like this is a space we should start doing and getting involved with. So he gave me the autonomy to write about it at the big lead, which is pretty awesome. So, you know, I just really have been lucky to be a part of all of it from just the blogging side and being a gambler to password being overturned to then getting real jobs in the space and starting as a freelancer. And just honestly, building my way up. So, you know, long story short, a couple of years ago, I would say three years ago, I had my second kid and I was getting really close to, to being a talent at a couple of big sites to getting a full-time gig, but I was coming up a little short, you know, came in second, came in third. And once you get a little older, you have two kids, you have a house, you have different responsibilities, your life, you know, everything in your life changes. And so, I got some really good advice from a guy, Thomas Casale. He's at the Action Network now. He was at Odyssey. And then Jason McIntyre were like, think about the back end. Think about editing. Think about the business side. The space is going to grow. It gives you some stability. You get a constant paycheck, consistent paycheck. And, you know, you can have a little bit of balance. And so that's when I really started to shift my focus and try to get a job. And then Thomas gave me a job at Odyssey to help them launch their betting content and I was creating content, I was editing, and then two years ago, 
Jason helped me get into Fox Sports. Uh, Andrew Lynch was my boss, took a chance on me. Awesome guy. He's now at the Action Network. So I came in as a senior editor and Andrew happened to end up with Chad uh, and I took over his role. And so that's kind of been my journey through the space. And it's been really, really cool to now see 36 states and Massachusetts today just went legal, right? We're recording this on Tuesday. So it's truly amazing how far people, I think, sometimes forget that it was just in 2018 when this all started, right? And it's only been a couple of years, but to see it grow that much in such a short time span and sky's the limit, I I just think it's going to get bigger and bigger from now as well. So it's a great industry to kind of get your foot into the door of if you're a younger person as well. Right on. And you touched upon a few things there. So I guess we'll go with, you know, years ago, I mean, networks really were shying away from all this sports gambling, sports betting, all that stuff. Um, But now everyone's fully embracing it. And now you're seeing leagues fully embracing it. I mean, how many stadiums are now having sports book present there and stuff? So what do you think was the uh, you know, we have it listed as like the fundamental change, but like the spark that lit the match or what do you think was the biggest, like, okay, it went from nobody really caring about it or no one was really, you know, promoting it to now it's like, if you're not doing sports gambling, you're out of the mix. Yeah. And this is, I don't know if this is good to say, and I don't know if I'll get in trouble for it, but honestly speaking, money talks and that is the way of the world. And I think everybody saw the potential in this, everybody saw just how big of a market it's going to be. Everybody wanted a piece of the action, just like real life, right? And so teams got into it, states got into it, companies got into it, startups, VCs, everybody and anybody wanted a piece of the action. And again, it comes back to the money, right? And you've seen just states like New Jersey now making a billion dollars in handle uh, off of gambling, right? And A lot of these senators and and people that are pushing legalization talk about just how broke some of these states are and how they can put the money to good use, right? I I know in New York, they were like, we're going to put that money into transportation, schools. There's, you know, it's just like cannabis. We're a couple of years behind that, right? But you remember there was a lot of pushback when it came to weed and now it's, you know, on a higher trajectory than sports gambling. And I think quicker and it'll be legalized in more states, but sports betting is just right behind that. Right. And and you're always going to get, I, I do think naysayers and people that bring up some good points about the bad side of both of those things. But ultimately speaking, I think the money is just too, too big of a thing to pass up for every single stakeholder possible, whether it's teams, media companies, states cities anybody and everybody that you can think of and so you know it was like a, a damn kind of opening right 2018 when passport got repealed that was the the big big tipping point but a lot of things were already in motion a lot before that right you had media companies ramping up you had states and stadiums and everybody putting things together and plans together so it's been in the works for a very very long time but i think 2018 just kind of opened the dam and since then, everybody's all in, basically. Obviously, it's all about the money for a lot of these networks. It's, you know, they wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't profitable for them. You know, I, I think that's it's not necessarily taboo, right? Um, but as far as Fox Sports' role in all this, too, you know, it would be great for those that don't know, and even for us, if you could comment a bit on, 
you know, what Fox sports wants to be in this area and, you know, sort of your team's slice of the pie of this huge, big sports bet betting scene. I mean, you know, is a strategy video content? Is it, um, is it, you know, having a book, you know, tell us more about, you know, sort of what Fox wants to do in this area. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for us, we want to be in the conversation when people are either consuming content or talking about gambling. Right. And so, that's kind of my role. It's like, how can we grow our footprint in the space? We were a lot later than a lot of other companies. You know, we're relatively new to the space. We really went all in, I would say three years ago. I came on two years ago and that's when we started to invest more in it. But we're very kind of new to the, newer to the space. But for us, it's all about having fun with it, educating the audience, talking about gambling in any and every way possible, we want to be a part of that scene, right? And so when it comes to our strategy, every company is different. Like for us, we have a built-in football audience, right? Because most people, I would say, and this is not going out on a limb, but when you watch Fox Sports, we're known for football, right? And so our audience is football. They love the game. And now they want to gamble on the game. They want to have fun with it. And so basically for us, it's how can we educate that user? How can we really fill that consumer in about gambling and, and be in their conversation 365 days a year? And how is it, again, a little different for us, but we really double down on our tentpole events. So if it's on Fox Sports, we really, really want to make sure that we're supporting that event with gambling content, right? So other companies might be a little different, take Action Network, take ESPN, but for them, like for us, if we have the Field of Dreams games on our station, we wanna blow that night up when it comes to gambling content, right? Whereas somebody else might just cover it as a, as a regular sporting event, if that makes sense. So, you know, for us, it's all about knowing who our audience is, really doubling down on our tentpole events, making sure we're in the conversation and discussion when it comes to gambling and really just having some fun with it. But it, it's super fluid. We're still figuring out our strategy on a daily basis. And for me, I'm pretty data-driven. I love to look at data. I love to see what's clicking, what's not clicking, what's producing story page views, what's not. And I'm a big firm believer on whether it's work or life, but double down on the things that are working if something's struggling or not doing well and you've tested it out two, three times, you know, just fail fast and, and move on. So those are, you know, some general tidbits for me, I'm more on the editorial side. And so I manage a team of writers, editors, talent. We have a researcher. We work together to create gambling content on a daily basis. And you'll find our work on foxsports.com or the, the Fox sports app. We've app, we've created an odds tab. So that's kind of where you can find our content. But yeah, we do have digital shows that we're getting into. TV and linear is a little bit of a different space because there's different rules for every single state. And so we have a game called Fox Sports, Fox Bet Super Six. It's a free to play game. It's a lot of fun. How he gives a, you know, Terry gives away a ton of money every single week. But from a business standpoint, it's smart. You know, you're getting people involved, you're getting them into the space a little bit. It's free to play. You're getting them into the funnel, as you know, a marketer would say. But there's different ways. There, we want to be omni-channel. We want to attack consumers in, in different ways to kind of 
get them to start following us, get them to start coming to us for their gambling content. But it, it's a tough space, right? Every single person's doing it. You have to come up with fun and unique ways to cut through and make sure that you get people to come back. And, and that's kind of what my job is. So every day is different. I work with a team as like I spoke with you about editors, writers, talent. So we come up with cool story ideas, but then also how do you distribute that content? So it's working with like the social media team, working with the programming and alerts team, working with all these different cross-functional teams to then chop it up and make sure we tee it up correctly so that it does get the most eyeballs on it. Right. So every day is pretty fun. Every day is content ideation and strategy day. And every day is just, you know, everything in between as well. <clears throat> so, I mean, there's no better way to do that than having all the eyes on you in two weeks with the Super Bowl. So obviously, you know, Fox is going to be a big player with that. And with the ever so changing media, um, how do you think Fox Fox will stand out specifically this Super Bowl? Yeah, what's great is it's on our air, right? So we have the power of Fox behind everything. We have the the rights to screen and cut stuff fast and get stuff out programmed quicker and alerts. But you know, all our talent will be there. The best of the best people that work at our company, every single person is focused on this event because it is the crown jewel for us. The World Cup was amazing, but that's once in every four years, right? For us, every year when the Super Bowl is on our air, that is the biggest event of the year. And so everyone will be there. So for us, it's like, how do we utilize Fox Sports' talent that our audience obviously trusts and likes for content pick stuff, industry news, education, topical stuff, you know, if there's an injury and then integrate that into linear digital editorial content, social content. So it, it's going to be a lot of fun. We Everybody's focus is on this. And just like in life, if you focus on something, you can really, really make a, a big difference in a short amount of span. But it's not like we're just in this two-week ramp for the Super Bowl, right? This is for us. As soon as the Super Bowl ends this year, we will start talking about the next Super Bowl, right? And strategy meetings, cross-functional team meetings, everybody putting their head together. Of course, everybody will breathe for a day or two, but, you know, the grind never stops. Sports never stops. So it's something that we've been looking forward to for a year. There's so many amazing people that have worked together to make that day happen. So it, it'll definitely be a great day. And I think, again, when it's on your air, you want to be on your best. And we're definitely prepared to do that, not only from a gambling aspect, but, uh, you know, just as a company as a whole. And you mentioned talent. One of the big storylines this year is the new broadcast booth in Fox, Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson. The reviews initially at the beginning of the year were skeptical. It's like, you know, how do you replace Buck and Aikman? But they, they've been great so far this year. I think this is probably the... I would say the most sought after uh, and highest rated. I have no data to back this up, but you know, one of the, the better crews in the booth all year this year. Uh, so in your eyes and maybe some of the, you know, sort of business side of Fox or content side of Fox, what makes these guys such a fun watch in the booth? Yeah, they're, they're amazing by the way. And it, it is funny because I, I live on Twitter and now everybody's fawning over Greg Olson. Like it was Tony Romo and now Tony Romo's trash and, and not my words, but you know, Twitter uh, goes in and, and deservedly. So I, I think they are the best in the game right now. I have a special affinity for Greg Olson, former bear who of course we traded away uh, for nothing under Mike Martz, but 
we could talk about that on another day. Uh, but they're they're just great guys. I think it's very cool when you work in sports. I will say this: when you get to see behind the scenes, just how much work these guys put into what they're doing and why they are as good as they are. When you see it day to day, it, it it's completely different than just an outsider's perspective of someone taking in the game for three hours. Right. So, you know, Adam Amin, who I know he's from Chicago, amazing talent. He's on, he does our Fox football games. He does the bulls games. You know, one day he just showed us all the prep that he does, all the research that, you know, these guys all put into what they do on a daily basis. And it's truly amazing. It's just like anything else, right? Like we're doing homework to pass a test or, we're preparing for our jobs or even you guys doing, doing this podcast. I'm sure you did some research, right? You do research on your guests and it's the same thing. And so once you get that inside perspective and look at how much work these guys do, and especially this new crew, I've seen it firsthand, just how much work they do behind the scenes. It's, It's truly amazing. It gives you a different perspective on things. And that's the reason that they're the best at what they do. Of course, Greg knows football in and out. He was an awesome player, but both of these guys do some amazing, amazing prep work and they stay on their game, man. Like they're all, everybody that you see on TV media, whether it's the herd and, you know, again, J-Mac, I'm, I'm blessed to have him as a mentor, but I'll go to the herd sometimes. And this Colin Coward, J-Mac, they, these guys like to us, they're amazing. They're on TV. They do these long shows, but in between breaks and stuff, they're not BSing. Like they're sitting there with a card full of notes going over what the next segment's going to be. They're doing research. They're talking to researchers. They're talking to producers. They're figuring stuff out on a daily basis. So again, it's pretty cool to get that inside perspective sometimes of just how amazing these guys are. And they're the reason they're as good as they are essentially. So does it make your job harder and Fox's job harder when there's a Super Bowl of Chiefs Eagles that people are kind of already like, eh, I don't want to see the Chiefs here again or ah, the Eagles, this team that, you know, the Philly, the Philly mob and all that stuff. Does that make your job harder or is it still obviously, you know, it's the prime stage of the Super Bowl. It doesn't it doesn't really matter. Yeah, what's crazy is, man, it doesn't matter, dude. People love football as much as people talk crap in this little bubble on Twitter and every, you know, amongst our friends, man, people are going to watch the Super Bowl. It doesn't matter. Prime example of how much people love football. We broke records last week with the NFC title game on our station. And you saw who the Niners were putting out there at quarterback or, and we saw that game was a total blowout and it still broke records. Right. So people love football. There's always enough storylines Next Monday, there's media day. There's going to be a bunch of different storylines that come out of that. There, you know, people are going to talk smack. There's going to be some crazy things that'll always, always be going on. And then again, I think gambling helps, man. Right. So people are going to have fun with it. Whether you love the squads that are playing, a lot of people out there are going to throw a couple bucks down on the game. And that keeps things interesting, even blowouts, right? You want to know who's going to hit the prop bets or, you know, what color the Gatorade is going to be. So you're going to stay in till the end or if the over under is going to hit, or if you take a money line or a spread, essentially gambling has really, really changed the game in relation to that as well. Right. So to answer your question, yes, I would love if the bears were in, or I would have loved to see 
a couple of other squads, but ultimately I think at the end of the day, no one's going to care, man. People are going to watch the Super Bowl. People are going to have fun with it. They're going to have their parties. People are going to gamble on, on it for sure. And I'm sure it's going to break some more records in, in two weeks. So let me ask you this. Do you have a dog in this fight personally as a Bears fan? I don't. Uh, you know, I, I don't love Philly fans, you know, just uh, – Ohio State fans and Philly fans, I feel like, are over the top for sure. Um, but no, I haven't really, you know, I love to dabble in, in gambling. I don't do it as much since I've had kids. And, you know, I do it more for fun now. But I haven't really taken a side yet or, or anything like that. That'll probably come next week where I'm definitely going to throw a bunch of money in on the game. And it, it's probably going to be a lot of long shots and, and prop bets for fun. And a lot of those National Anthem, Gatorade coin toss kind of, you know, prop bets for sure. But I don't have a real dog. I, I do think Patty Mahomes is amazing. I don't know if you guys saw yesterday, but of course his dad had to come on our radio station in Chicago and say that the Bears promised that they would take Patrick Mahomes. So it's oh, a never-ending never <laughs> nightmare. Yeah, yeah. What about the other teams who, Pat, you know, the Niners? I'm sure they could use them right now, but – uh, so I don't know, man. I don't really have a dog in the fight. I'm not a big Philly guy, and but I do love Patrick Mahomes. I think he's the best. And so I think the Chiefs are going to win the game. I know everybody's on the Eagles, but I, I do like the Chiefs. I like Andy Reid. I like Patrick Mahomes. I like Travis Kelsey. And, and I'll probably be rooting for them in the game. It's a narrow line. So Eagles minus one and a half um, with a minus uh, 125 at the money line. So I think a lot of, I mean, I mean, you're in the, you're in the sports gambling world. Is ever going to be, you know, hammering the chiefs now because it's the plus money. Yeah. It's, it's a toss up, man. I don't know if you guys read, uh, there was a story and it was on our website, of course, but there was a story where Circa put out chiefs minus two and a half as their opening line. And that thing got hammered and so much that they had to literally move the line five points to Eagles minus two and a half to try to balance out some of that action. So, you know, right now it's at minus one and a half at Fox bet. Who's our sports book partner minus two, two and a half at some other websites as well. It's It's going to be moving. It's going to be fluid, but I, I think everybody that I've talked to and all the early money and all the bets and, you know, just being a part of the industry so far, everybody's on the Eagles. So it's early. There's, you know, there's still a long way to go. I'm sure we're going to hear a bunch of new things and storylines and Mahomes' ankle, Kelsey's back. There's going to be something that happens in practice. So this line is going to move a lot. I'd be very surprised if it got to Eagles three. Um, so I think the line is going to be somewhere in that one and a half, two point range like we see right now. But it's a toss up, man. And, and I really do think that I think. The Chiefs, again, you don't want to count them out. You don't want to poke the bear. I think that's what the Bengals did a little bit that last week by talking a lot of smack. And you could tell right after they won the game that that was in their locker room for the entire week, right? So it might be some of that this week is, you know, for the next two weeks as well, where everybody's going to be on the Eagles and the Chiefs are going to use that at some locker room bulletin board material. Makes sense. I'm looking forward to this. It's, you know, I, 
it's so easy to write this off as a very hateable Super Bowl, which I don't like either teams, right? I understand that. Uh, and this is coming as a New England Patriots fan. So, <laughs> yeah, I can't root for either of these teams, but I'm rooting for a good game. I I don't wish ill upon any of these guys. Um, I just want to see want to see somebody win. That's all. And we we will get that on Fox this year. Um, we'll go to your Chicago sports questions uh let's let's break down the bears here right so you said you're walter payton guy bears need to channel some of that talent coming up with the first overall pick what is on your shopping list like what do they i think the answer is a basically a new team but where do you start (laughs) with this one with this number one pick yeah for sure man a new team would be nice um i mean you got the cap space to sign a whole new team we we do (laughs) and so that that's the big, big thing, of course, we are in a great position right now with amazing amount of money. The number one pick will probably, hopefully, we never are in this position again, but it's a good place to be in. The bigger thing now is to make sure we execute and, and make the right moves, right? Personally, for me, I would love to trade down. We have a ton of holes and we don't have a lot of blue chippers on the roster. Like you look at our roster up and down. How many guys would you want that are that's on our team? Would you want them to would start on a different team, even right? Or you as fans be like, I really want the Chicago Bear on my team when there's free agency coming up. How you know bad teams? That's what we do. We look through everybody else's rosters and all the free agents coming up or the draft coming up, and these are the guys that we want. You would not. There's not a lot of those guys on our roster right now. And so for me, you trade down be amazing to trade down twice potentially if we could it'd be cool to trade to the texans and then to the colts again maybe start up some kind of bidding war where you can get multiple pieces and again i would probably go will anderson we really need pressure i think brisker our safety led the team in in sacks last year when your safety leads a rookie safety leads the team in sacks that is not a good thing so we need a three technique guy badly especially in this 4-3 defense. I know that's what coach really wants. And so it'll be interesting to see if they go Jalen Carter, but there's a couple of really good three techs that are free agents this year. So I see them probably getting a free agent three technique, drafting Will Anderson, trying to accumulate as much talent as possible, probably extending a couple of guys like Darnell Mooney and some of the, these younger guys that you have on your squad, and then just trying to plug as many holds as possible. And so again, a lot of Bears fans are optimistic that we can go from like this to Super Bowl. I don't see it, but it would be amazing to have kind of like a Detroit Lions type season, right? You're you're in every game, you're respected, you make a playoff run, but it's going to take a little bit of time to build because there's always going to be injuries and we don't have the depth, right? So I think right now it's really filling out your roster with blue chippers, getting some really, really good talent, and then next year building some depth. And and I do think that's when we will be able to make a move for sure. But if we can just build, if we can make sure that we have the right guy in Justin Fields, build around him, build an offensive line, build the defensive line again. Every year, I know it's kind of cliche, but yes, the, the Super Bowl is one in the trenches, right? And no matter how good your quarterback is, Patty Mahomes, you saw what the Bucs did to him two years ago, right? When they dominated that line of scrimmage and even the Broncos that year when they won. And again, O-line, D-line, that's where it, where it's at. So that's my dream scenario is just literally putting all our money, everything 
we can into the O-line and D-line and then just getting some playmakers, man. I think the Eagles are probably the template the Bears want to follow, right? They traded for a stud in A.J. Brown. They have dynamic playmakers. They have an amazing offensive line, defensive line, and there's no reason Justin Fields can't be, you know, as good as or better than Jalen Hurts. So, and you see how much of a difference talent makes, man. You give Miami Tua, you you brought in Tyreek, you gave him Jalen Waddell. That guy's closing his eyes and throwing bombs. Where Tyreek Hill has to stop and come back five yards for the ball, and and they're putting up points, right? So, you get some playmakers like that. You build the O line, D line. That's my dream for the next two years, and you know then we'll kind of see from there. So, what would you give as a Bears fan? sacrifice give whatever the term you want to use to not have Aaron Rodgers be on the Packers anymore. Oh, I would I would <laughs> love that man. That man has been a pain in my ass for my entire life. And so again, I told you I went to school in Wisconsin. So when I was there, they won what they won a Super Bowl with Brett Favre. I was at the NFC championship game. Oh, so that goes on for your list. I was at the NFC championship game when Jay Cutler got hurt. Caleb Haney came in. Aaron Rodgers had a trash game that game. BJ Raji bailed him out at the end to, <laughs> and you can look up Aaron Rodgers stats in that NFC title game, but I was there. But again, it's just been uh, a brutal, brutal, you know, whipping year in, year in and year out. So I just want the guy to be gone. I don't care if he retires. I don't care if he, you know what he wants to do, but he needs to get out of Green Bay, and uh, then hopefully my dream of my next forty years being, being you know on the good side starts to take place. Fair enough, fair enough. So that's talking Bears. We got the Bulls now, who you know not too long ago had a hell of an off season, got some good pieces. Now, I mean, no one knows why Lonzo Ball is hurt. I don't think he even knows why he's hurt. You know, some people are saying it was. Uh, you know, the big baller brand shoes that now have messed up his knees for years to come. But are you buying at the deadline? Are you selling at the deadline? What do you even, what do you, what's going for? What do you do to get back on track? Oh, man, that's the toughest one. You know, they're in a brutal, brutal spot. So the magic have our pick if we don't finish in the top four, right? And Lonzo, to me, for the roster that we have assembled right now, he was the perfect point guard because you got DeRozan and Levine just taking turns one-on-one, ball stoppers. He was the engine that made that team go. He could play defense. He was a great point guard, outlet the ball, hit the three-point shot. Without him, we've never kind of been the same. We were number one in the East when he went down. And since then, we've been just what you see on a night-in, night-out basis. Some good games, some bad games. I also think the front office did a poor job in the off season of not addressing three point shooting rim protection. Those are two huge holes. And there's nights where the big three are big three. I don't, you know, think they're really a big three, but we'll have 90 points and we'll still lose because teams just shoot the three ball. Whereas these guys are just taking, you know, DeMar lives in, in the free throw line and mid range shots and Vooch is down low as well. Zach's a streaky player. So the roster as constructed is flawed. I don't think the front office did them any favors in the off season. As a fan, I'm not happy they give, you know, Billy Donovan, the coach an extension, which is another kind of interesting subject because it was under the table. And what have we done or shown to be able to get that right? And, And to your question, it's tough, man, because if you trade, say you trade Zach and DeMar 
you start all over or two of the three guys, you're still not guaranteed to get that top four pick. And then you're really, really in a bad space, but say you do. So that's kind of the chance you take. And because the last thing I'd love, I'd want to see is they keep this team together and you don't make the playoffs and you lose the pick, right? That's the worst case scenario. Unfortunately, that's what I think is going to happen because I think they, they stay put. I think they want to keep their cap flexibility when Vooch comes off the books and, you know, Demara is a short contract right now. They're working on an extension potentially, or who knows with that, but there's a lot of teams that can use some of these guys right now for their playoff run, but team as constructed right now, man, I just don't see them going anywhere. There's no consistency. There's no three point shooting. And honestly, the chemistry just looks off last year. There was great chemistry when Lonzo was in there, they were, playing for each other and now it just kind of looks like they're i don't know taking turns man and everybody else is just standing in a corner you you got patrick williams you got a young guy that some people are underwhelmed with but you know his first season was a covid season second season he missed with it with an injury third season you got a kid that has a lot of talent but on offense you just tell him tell him to stand in the corner the entire time right because you got tamar you got Levine kind of doing their thing. So I don't think you'll you'll be able to see his full potential until next year, until they kind of break this thing up. But it's a tough call. I guess gun to my head, I would probably trade everyone for that chance to kind of get Victor or Scoot Henderson and try to try to rebuild. And then you've got a couple of young guys like Patrick Williams, Alex Caruso, Io. You know, you have some young guys that you can potentially rebuild with. I think that's probably a smart move, but I just don't see it happening. I think the worst case scenario is going to play out, and it's going to be a brutal, brutal year for Bulls fans. And then finally, the Cubs. Um, you mentioned at the beginning, the 89 Cubs are the first team that broke your heart. So you tell us, Vic, 2023, they're having an identity crisis. They don't really know what they are. Um, they shed some big contracts. They let their catcher of, of the future walk away to the rival St. Louis Cardinals that hurt me too, like drastically. Um, but then they go out and they sign Dansby Swanson, who I love in a Chicago uniform. Um, you know, a couple others, Trey Mancini, right? Um, are these, are these Cubs set up to compete or are they set up for doom in 2023? It's interesting because I hate being a Cubs fan a lot of times because I feel like ownership treats us like a small market team, our our fan base, right? And whereas we should be like the Dodgers, man. We should be spending big money year in and year out competing. I will say this. So that aside, I I do think Jed Hoyer's kind of built a sneaky, decent team for this year, kind of being like a bridge year. And, And I do think 2024 is when... The Cubs will kind of go all in, make big moves, move the needle a little bit. But it, it's an, it's a I think it'll be a fun team to watch, which is at least a lot better than you know last year. But the Wilson thing definitely hurt. I mean, I understand why they did it. They have Amaya and a couple of very good young kids that are prospects. I don't think they wanted to commit that much money to him it breaks my heart because he was just an awesome player a good dude a leader in the locker room but it it, it, that was definitely tough but again I do like what they did they have a lot of under the radar signings and I think they'll be fun to watch this year but 
look out for them in 2024 if the ownership actually goes all in and, and spends money. I do think they have some good prospects. They put together a good, solid young roster, get through this bridge year, make a big, you know, couple of big moves next year. And 2024 is when I, I do think they'll compete for the playoffs. Well, that's the thing with Contreras, though, because it's like if they if he wasn't going to be in the cards, they should have just dealt him. You know, that was kind of like a band-aid that they, they didn't want to rip. Um, and again, like him leaving for the Cardinals, like obviously that sucks as a Cubs fan, but he, if he was going to leave anyway, like it was going to, you know, be bothersome no matter what. For sure. Um, and I he, think he's 30, right? So I, I'm with you. I really do think they should, they were too late in trading him, right? They should have traded him when they broke up the squad, which was of course really sad for a lot of Cubs fans, because again, those are some of the, that was the best year of our lives. But if they were going to do it, they should have made the decision then to do it, get the assets, but more importantly, you know, set everybody on the same timeline, right? But you're right. Again, I'll wish him well. I love the guy. I do think, like, I know him. I know his agent. Like, they're just, they're he's a good dude, you know? And so when he's not playing against the Cubs, I will be rooting for him for sure. But I, I agree with you. They They were a little too late. I don't think they knew what they wanted to do. I think they wanted to try to work out an extension, but the money was ultimately just too far apart that they had to do whatever they could last year to kind of rip the band-aid fully. All right. And it makes sense. And, you know, we'll selfishly reap the benefits as Yankee fans of Anthony Rizzo and pinstripes. We're taking good care of him. He's a great dude too. I, I think yeah. here's my hot take. He's exactly the guy I wanted uh, out of that group that they broke up. Um, Chris Bryant was floated around as a potential Yankees target. No, all in on Anthony Rizzo. It's so nice having a first baseman. I'm sorry, I'm rubbing it in your face right now, but it's, it's all good. I will always, I will literally, like, it's crazy, man. I will always have love for those dudes. Like, it was just a truly amazing special year. Like, nothing will replicate that again. So, I will always be rooting for them when they were all doing well in the playoffs. Like I was hyped again, the Cubs were not in the playoffs. I, I love these guys. Like they were just amazing to us. They're all good dudes. They love the game. They play hard. And I don't think you'll hear anything bad from Cubs. Fans. I can see the Wilson thing, you know, that's going to obviously next year kind of be a big thing when he comes back as a Cardinal. Cause it's the Cardinals, right? That's like, when a bear goes and plays on the Packers, no matter what, no matter how much you love that guy, he's on the Packers, right? So I do think that's going to be the only guy where you'll see some people kind of booing him or, or talking smack about him. But everybody else, man, I think Cubs fans will always hearts for them. All right. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Like the Cubs have kind of constructed a team that if they're below 500 at the deadline, they can flip a a rising Cody Bellinger if he's, you know, having the season he's supposed to have. Exactly. That's why I like, I like all the contracts too. Again, I, I think they had a sneaky good off season. They've kind of put a plan in place for all of those different scenarios, which is kind of cool to see from a strategy, you know, standpoint, because you're right. I do think if he's having a good year and we're out of it, some team is going to want him for the stretch run. Right. And we'll be able to accumulate some assets or hopefully, just boost our, our farm system a little bit for 2024, right? But uh, I'll throw a crazy thing out there, but what if they go after Shohei? 
I, I don't know, man. I've heard crazier stuff. I have. Yeah. Of course, you're a Yankees fan, so you will get Shohei Otani or the Dodgers will for sure. Or the but, Mets. Or the Mets. Yeah, the, Mets. Yes. the Mets are the more poised New York team to make yes. that. True. They they have gone all in and again. That's what pisses me off sometimes is like, that's what the Cubs should be, especially after winning the World Series. I don't want to go back my entire life. Again, you guys are older or younger, but I saw hundred many hundred lost seasons I've sat through. And, and paid good money to go to those games for. And again, I get it at that time. But after you win the World Series, you own all the property around the stadium. You're making all of this money. There's no reason you shouldn't be pumping some of that money back into the team and, and really going all out like the Mets did. And that's what I would love to see as a, as a Cubs fan. And I hope that's the case starting next year. That's what they say their plan is. So, so we'll see. But yeah, man, I'm sure Shoei will end up in New York or in LA, but I would love to see him in a Cubs uniform and he'd be pretty nasty and, and we would have the money in the space and everything else involved. So, you know, if it happens, you heard it here first. If it doesn't, you forgot, forget about it for sure. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to find the line on Fox sports, uh, Fox <laughs> sports betting. What's Otani's chances to be a Cub? Yes. Yes. We will have an article soon. Once the Super Bowl is done. I love it. It's, it's no, we actually we actually just put out a Shohei article, which is pretty fun on FoxSports.com, of all the team. Like we took our talent and literally surveyed them and all the teams they think Shohei can end up at. So wow. it's a fun article for sure. Yeah, that's I, I'm looking forward to reading that. I'm uh, as soon as we as soon as we wrap up, I'm gonna go read it and see uh, what's going on over there. I'll indulge you in some Cubs history real quick, and then we'll wrap it up for because sure. you know. You keep uh, sort of saying like, hey, you know, got a couple of years on you guys. The Michael Barrett, uh, AJ Pruszynski beef back in like mid 2000s. Where do you rank that in Cubs moments too? It's got to be up there. Yes, that was up there. Just because Cubs fans are not a fan of AJ. Like he was just, I don't know. Again, I don't know if we could swear on the spot or not. And I'll keep it clean, but he was just like an a-hole, you know? And again, <laughs> I don't know him in real life. I'm sure he's a super nice guy, but just, you know, when you're, when you're playing opposing teams, like he was one of those guys that get under your skin. Right. So when it happened, of course, as Cubs fans, and when you're young, you know, a little bit of meathead type fans we were like, yeah, this is awesome. Like we just punched this guy in the face. And, and so, <laughs> yes, it was definitely up there as a fun moment as, as a Cubs fan for sure. But ultimately speaking, winning changes it all. And until we won the World Series, the White Sox did have the last title as a Chicago baseball team, right? But now that we won, I, I always give my Sox fans a little bit of smack talk, right? We are the last champions in town. So we'll... And if you think about it, they had a super disappointing season last year and who knows what's going to happen to them now. They're not in a good spot. Like, and you guys are baseball fans. You might, who had a better off season, the Cubs or the Sox? Oh, I would, I mean, what did the, what did the White Sox do besides Ben Attendee? Nothing. About it. Yeah. And there, there's a little bit of, uh, there's a, there's a case on one of their guys, right? I don't know if you guys saw that, um, but he's in trouble for kind of, you know, Clevenger. I don't Clevenger, know if he's yes. yeah. yeah, so domestic violence. So not a lot, man. They haven't done a lot. They, they let Abreu walk. 
They did. And so I think they've gotten worse. Like, I, again, I just talking a little bit of smack because I'm a, I am a Cubs fan, but I do think the Cubs had the better offseason. Wow. You know who they just signed the White Sox was Billy Hamilton, too. Yeah. Cincinnati Reds. What a, yeah. what a throwback that is. Yeah. He's a throwback, too. So it'll it'll be fun, man. I, I do think it'll be a fun season to watch from a Cubs fan's perspective. And it'll be nice to go to the game. Again, I have a couple of kiddos, so we have a tradition every year. We try to go to the game July 4th weekend. And so that's that's been fun. Now kind of bringing my daughters into the fold, try to make them into – Chicago sports fans, I don't know if it's a good a blessing or a curse because uh, my life's definitely been tough, but it is a lot of fun to now be able to take them to games for sure. Yeah, love that. Wrigley, the, it just you can't beat it for a game day environment. So awesome you get to share that with your family. Uh, Vic, we're, thank you so much for your time. This has been great. Uh, to close out, where can our listeners find uh, the content that your team's churning out? How can they keep up with Fox Sports Digital and the sports betting content uh, during the Super Bowl and then beyond as well? Yeah, so check us out at foxsports.com. We literally have a tab called odds. So you hit the odds tab, everything and anything that our team does, you will find it on that page. And again, we want to be in the conversation for all things gambling. So you'll find everything from picks to point spread movement to, you know, if Mahomes get gets hurt, how did that impact this, the point spread? So a lot of action the next couple of weeks for sure. You can download the Fox Sports app. It's pretty sleek. It's pretty amazing. You can actually live stream all the big sporting events right off the app. So that's a big thing that not a lot of people know, not even my buddies. And I try to tell them when they want to watch games or college basketball games, college football games, anything that's on Fox FS1 or our channels, you literally can crystal clear for free, watch it on the app, which is pretty dope. So Download the app. Check us out on the website. If anybody wants to holler at me, I love Twitter. I'm at DocSquad33 on Twitter. Always love talking sports. And it's been fun, man. I could probably talk to you guys for a couple more hours. And so I appreciate you guys having me on. And love the pod. Listen to a bunch today. It was pretty cool. I, I, I love the, the work that you guys are putting out. And you guys have had some dope guests. So keep it going for sure, man. Well, we appreciate it, Vic. Good luck with the Super Bowl craziness. Uh, can't wait to see all the content that's coming out and we'll uh, talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Thank you, fellas. And that was just Vic Chotsky, head of Fox Sports Betting. Uh, great interview, great conversation. We're sorry we had to uh, open up some wounds with Chicago sports. Uh, but all in all, I think it was he was a great he was a great conversation, great person to know, great person to talk to. So we appreciate him taking the time, especially in the midst of Super Bowl season. So all in all, good stuff. Yeah, hundred um, percent. That was. I don't know what we're going to see for the Super Bowl. We'll have writers' room coming. Um, we will break it all down. We'll get the hot takes out. We'll talk about some prop bets or something. I'm just. I don't know. It's going to be fun. Like I said on the interview, um, but. I can't root for any of these teams. Like I can't root for the chiefs. There's no way, first of all. And there's also no way I can, I just can't root for the Eagles too. So I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. I mean, I'm not rooting for anybody. I'm just placing a wager on, um, on the chiefs. Yeah. 
I don't know the way the Eagles are playing, man. I, I'm going to take the plus money here, and I'm I'm okay if they lose plus a plus money bet. Yeah, that's fine. So, but we'll have our writers' room, and then we do need to talk about quarterback carousel now that Tom Brady is officially done. Off season. Off season. Well, we'll what a sad video. Now. What we'll a just... sad video. That was very sad. It was a weird video. Tom Brady announced his retirement right after we stopped recording with Vic, basically, uh, the next morning. You know, I get it. He's right. He makes a point of, like, you can only have one big emotional post. I understand that. It was good for him to acknowledge it. But God almighty, was this the total opposite of that? Woof. That was tough to watch. It was tough to watch because, like, you also feel for the guy who's, like, honestly, he came back for what a team that kind of gave up on him a team that was just like held together with paper machete uh lost his wife in the process lost so much money with the uh ftx scandal like he really didn't have a good year for a guy that's like you know i just wanted to play football i just wanted to do what i love and play football and he like lost the people that were like closest to him doing that so like it, it was sad because like obviously you knew his time was going to come. And like, I think it was more numbing from like the sports aspect of like, okay, Tom Brady, we knew this, like he said he retired last year. He went on that big parade and came back this year. Like he sat at a beach by himself and was like crying. It was like, that was a grown man sitting on the beach that literally it, it really looked like he woke up that morning and was just like, I think let's call it quits and went to the beach by himself, sat there posted some photos on Instagram and, and, and called it a career. He just sat there and tweeted that video. Um, yeah, I don't know. They're, my favorite tweet I saw today was somebody's like, Giselle, go win him back. Go win him back and bring him back to Foxborough, which I thought was funny, but I don't fucking want him. I don't. I hope he signs a one day there, no? I would, I, you don't know. Uh I would hope he does. I would, I would say, I, I'm going to say this because, and again, I'm not a Pats fan, but last year there was a lot of like posting photos of everything and people reposting what everyone tagged. This year, his Instagram story was a lot of Patriot shit. Yeah. It was so, a lot of, it was a lot of walk down memory lane. Like he sat there and individually picked those photos of his friends, his teammates, his competitors, his families. I, I think it's very likely. Well, because I think he realized, like, how stupid was that? Like, that move. Yes, he won a ring. It brought the Bucks to, like, some national. That should have been uh, it. That right. should have been it. Like, what the fuck else do you have to prove, dude? Your wife's telling you, hey, you're 44 years old. Maybe you want to hang this up. And, you know, I I, I do. I want to feel bad for him. I really do. He's going to make $370 million from Fox, though. So oh, feel, yeah. bad for, feel bad for Greg Olson. That's what I would feel bad for. Um, why, was, why won't he join Greg Olson? Because it's, I think it's just going to be a two-man booth. That's what it sounds like. It's Kevin Burkhart and Tom Brady is what people are saying. So it sucks. But, but Greg, Greg will be fine elsewhere. He'll get picked up. He will. Tony Romo's, not... Tony Romo's the one who's going to be uh, wheeling for a job. Oh, maybe it'll end up Jim Nance and, uh, and uh, Greg Olson. That'd be interesting. Man, crazy. Um, yeah, I, I would hope he signs a one day. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Um, I I would like him more importantly to to go out on his own terms, right? Like to come back to have New England throw him like a little thing, 
have Bob Kraft and Belichick stand up there and and thank him. There was no need for him to go to the Raiders, go to the 49ers. No. Like there was if that if there was a time to do it, it was last year. I very much agree. That, 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 yeah. that, Quarterbacks that, will come. We'll break it all down because a lot going on now, too. So we'll we'll break that all down soon. That's it for 115. Writers room next week for the Super Bowl. So long, everybody. Take it easy. Thank you.